0: I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, why the past is doomed to repeat itself, and how you can avoid being a historical footnote. Stick around. There's a famous Warren Buffett quote, be fearful when others are greedy, be greedy when others are fearful. And from time to time, I think of this quote to try and apply these lessons to our businesses, whether things are booming, or when we're in or about to enter a bust phase. Now, before I start, this podcast was originally written as an article for the January-February issue of the PBSA Journal, which is the Screening Industries Trade Association publication. If you wanna read this or any other of their content, head over to the pbsa.org slash resources slash publications. I'll start by rewinding a bit here today. When I entered the screening industry, not long after September 11th, it was more typical than not to hear employers confess they had no employment screening program to speak of rather than an existing robust program in place. Fast forward 20 years, of course, and that's almost completely reversed. And as CRAs, our sales approach models the needs of our clients. So back then, we tended to be teachers or creators of screening programs. Now, we're more likely to be seen as stewards or mechanics, maintaining or enhancing screening programs, not building them from scratch. And within that 20-year period, our industry has gone through several peaks and valleys, which on a cyclical basis affected not only demand for our services, but the financial health, good, bad, or otherwise, of companies in our space. Most recently, of course, we saw both a bust and a boom in rapid fashion. And of course, I'm talking about the COVID crash of 2020 and the subsequent speedy recoveries in 2021 and 2022. In each case, I've seen similar patterns of behavior, not only recently, but over the last 20 years. And as we enter what many are considering to be a down period in our industry, I'm going to describe five trends I've observed in each of these cycles and whether I believe these trends help or hurt a CRA's ability to serve end users, manage risk, and as importantly, make a profit. Number one, only hiring salespeople when the market is hot. I think only hiring salespeople during a boom cycle is a mistake. We know in our industry the sales cycle is not a short one, especially at the enterprise level. This, combined with the ongoing trend of higher value accounts choosing their screening vendor in tandem with their ATS partner, I believe can place a CRA behind the eight ball when it comes to acquiring new business. And yes, I emphasize those two words, vendor and partner, for a reason, which I'm going to come back to in a second. We know vendor selection is more likely to happen when things slow down, not during a period of high volume hiring or economic expansion. It's tough enough to fight for a decision maker's time, let alone trying to convince them and their teams to uproot their processes and execute a vendor switch during a hiring boom. Therefore, I ask, ask, why are our sales teams the largest when prospects have the least amount of time, and why are they the smallest when they may be the most open to talking to you? And yes, if you heard me mention it before, I specifically, but unfortunately, referred to the screening company as the vendor and the ATS as the partner. We all want to be partners to our clients, but... As employment screening is just one piece of an ATS's overall suite of solutions, it's increasingly likely the CRA is chosen on its ability to fit within the ATS, not the other way around. Now, perhaps the only time you have the cash to expand is when the market is blooming, but I think that's more a casualty of poor intermediate or long-term business planning rather than the increase in month-to-month or quarterly cash flows that are now making it possible to add new salespeople. So the verdict, I think it's a mistake to only hire salespeople when business is good. Number two, the reverse. Cutting salespeople when the market is not. So let's look at that argument before from a different lens. I believe it's not only short-sighted, yes, I do realize it saves cash, but it gives competitors a big gift. It gives them a chance to say, hey, do you hear so-and-so's doing layoffs? Yeah, a bunch of account managers over at XYZ Screening just updated their LinkedIn statuses, open to work. You guys still use them? Is, is your rep still there? Now, even if the answer is no, and even if the approach seems slimy, it's an easy, inexpensive way to create FUD. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I'm pretty sure this argument is not going to be convincing enough to sway a CRA that is otherwise hell-bent on cutting costs to reconsider that strategy. But it is a wonderful opportunity for you to attack competitors, or unfortunately for them to attack you. I know specifically right now several shops doing this at this exact moment. If you've cut sales staff, you're getting attacked for it by others in the space. Additionally, it's important to, let's lay this out numerically, it's important to consider where sales growth in a recessionary period is most likely to come from. Let's say you have a 15% year-over-year growth goal. Well, sales in a period of contraction closely resembles hand-to-hand combat. In good times, you're gonna get your 15% through a combination of new logos and your existing client base's organic growth. In a recession, when your clients are suffering too, that same goal is much harder to hit. Stealing logos from competitors becomes a much more significant driver of new revenue. And if you're trying to hit that number at the same time you're laying off staff you've just made it a whole lot tougher i'm going to pause for a second and and mention this article was originally written for the pbsa journal and if you're not familiar with the publication or the screening industries trade association i urge you to check out the pbsa.org i will say i'm old enough to remember a day without pbsa or napbs as it was known back then personally i'm a strong supporter of the organization and have enjoyed An up-close view of their accomplishments as both a longtime volunteer on the industry practices and the accreditation council but i also get to see just as a regular rank and file member what they've been able to accomplish through their government regulations and other volunteer committees now nobody asked me to say any of these things by the way i I wanted to mention it just because i feel a great way to learn and grow as an industry practitioner is to get involved so feel free to ping me or the association if you'd like to learn how all right back at it number three making your decisions based on what happened to someone else There's the macroeconomy Which is what happens to the world around us and then there's the microeconomy Which is what is directly happening to us? Unless you're a huge organization You're not really truly diversified there's less certainty that what happens to others, both good or bad, will actually happen to you. So decisions to expand just because others are, or decisions to contract just because you saw layoff notices on the morning news or that open to work banner on LinkedIn is not a course of action I recommend. What happens to you happens to you, not necessarily because it also happened to others. All right, number four fourth trend that I, I see. I used to say, I used to call it hit the road. The time to renew, refocus, and refresh relationships with key stakeholders is precisely when things begin to slow down. For the same time clients start thinking of doing due diligence on their vendor network is when hiring cools off. We've talked about a few minutes ago. So that same rationale holds for account reviews. Let's think of it this way. Our clients' HR security risk management and talent acquisition teams are likely to now have more time to spend 60 to 90 minutes with their partners, with their vendors. Executive and C-level professionals may also be more available and attentive to their screening program when there aren't immediate fires inside their organizations or immediate growth goals or, or people to onboard within a period of time. You know, I I frequently write and speak on the importance of continuously demonstrating to your clients how you help them solve their business problems easier and faster. Doing good work by and of itself is not good enough. And the reason I emphasize this and the reason I mention it so frequently on podcasts, webinars, or doing PBSA conference sessions is I used to believe it and I was wrong. So my penance is to help others avoid that same trap. A slower economy is not the time to bury our heads in the sand. It's time to be loud and proud with clients, prospects, and your individual networks. Okay, lastly, number five, my team is on the floor. One of my favorite lines from Hoosiers, an 80s movie about small town Indiana basketball, where the coach played by Gene Hackman finishes the game with only four players on the court. Anyone who knows basketball knows you play with five. Don't you think Gene Hackman, who played Coach Dale, don't you think he would play other players if he had them? Don't you think he wanted to upgrade his team and hope that Jimmy Chitwood would choose to play? Spoiler alert, eventually he did. <laughs> but so, how do I translate this to us? Why do so many companies in our space routinely choose not to build the best possible team? While the previous trends I spoke on focused primarily on salespeople, this concept applies across the entire organization operation leaders, middle managers, IT, account management, there is always a wealth of talent available in non-expansionary periods. For example, I know right now more than 20 people whom I believe could make a million-dollar impact inside a new CRA. Those who use an economic downturn, companies that, that use a bust cycle, those who use an economic downturn to trade C players for B players, B players for A players, They are capitalizing on a golden opportunity to positively and disproportionately propel their businesses forward relative to the cost of acquiring that talent. Those who aren't. Admittedly, this is the most cold hearted piece of advice I give clients, but it's also the advice I believe has the most sizable impact to your businesses. Let's compare businesses to sports teams. Sports teams chasing championships don't look inward at a team that is 500, a team that wins as many games as it loses and chooses to stand pat. Sports teams don't choose to stand pat, so why do businesses? And much like star athletes looking to leave mediocre teams in search of that championship ring, your best people will also consider new opportunities during economic slowdowns mostly because they see fear, uncertainty, and doubt in their own personal situations. This can be a lose-lose proposition for employers. Many of these trends, the five I've talked about, are human nature, an understandable aversion to risk in a risk-averse industry. None of us has a crystal ball. And while it's unlikely anyone reading this is a professional economist or anyone listening to this as a professional economist, my 20 years in this space is me feeling really bullish about the opportunities available to each of us over the next six to 12 months. After all, unemployment remains at historical lows, job openings remain much higher than historical averages, and people are still quitting their jobs in record numbers. Yet a number of companies have begun to taking defensive positions. There's going to be winners and losers in the months and years ahead, people. Right now, I'm very greedy. And I think you should be, too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Background Check Radio. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day.